Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LO Gaming Podcast. My name is James, and just start, I'm going to start out with a little bit of an apology. We missed an episode last week, but, you know, things happen. People have to do things, and you just have to go with what what you're going. Probably not a real bad thing seeing light of current events and how things are going anyway, but... Regardless, today I am joined by my good buddy Tyler once again. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Hey, all right. Not bad. Yep. G- guess what game I still haven't finished. Oh. <laughs> yeah, let me guess. Day's gone. Yeah, dude. I <laughs> stayed up. I stayed up till like one thirty in the morning trying to finish it so I can come in here victorious and say, I finished it. That would and have I just, been. Yeah. I just kept thinking, how long is this game? <laughs> <laughs> After every chapter, I'm like, oh, my gosh. You like, it's getting repetitive now. It's like, hey, we got to do something. Oh, we got to go get supplies. So are you trying hey, to 100% the game? No, I'm no. trying to complete the game. Okay. This is just, just <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I don't dedicate uh, full time to it either. So mm-hmm. I have other things I'm doing, but it's just like, this game is never ending. Yeah. Even yeah. when I sit down for long sessions, I'm like, come on. It's just, I'm trying. Maybe next time. Maybe. Maybe next time. Maybe. I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) You're going to have to show me that uh, completion trophy. I will. I'll share it with you in case anybody. Here you go. I did it. Okay. All right. I'm I'm, going to take your word for it. I'm going to give you two weeks. (laughs) Two weeks. This guy. (laughs) Two weeks. Because obviously the next episode is going to be the PS5 episode because by then I will hopefully have a PS5 in my hands and we'll have... Plenty of things to say about it because the PS5 is less than a week away from being released. November 12th is this coming Thursday. At the time of this recording, it is November 7th. So it is coming fast. Yay. But not only that, the Xbox uh, Series X and the S are being released this Tuesday, November 10th. And along with that, there are about close to 50 brand new games that are going to be released in this next week alone. <laughs> I mean, it's like, gee whiz, it's just getting dumped on us just out of nowhere. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. Well, for you, that's a good problem to have. For me, it just adds to my anxiety of I'm never going to finish anything. Yeah. Yeah. And really, I, I hate to say this, but we do have a little bit of, I I do have a little bit of bad news for you Uh that you may or may not have heard, but uh, Sony announced on their PlayStation blog that they are not going to be having physical PlayStation 5s in any stores on November 12th. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what's going on. And, um, well, I guess I'll just read what they said. So on the PS blog, PlayStation blog, uh, they wrote, in the interest of keeping our gamers, retailers, and staff safe amidst COVID-19, today we are confirming that all day day of launch sales will be conducted through the online stores of our retail partners, meaning the online stores of Best Buy, GameStop, Walmart, Target, anybody who's going to sell a PlayStation 4, uh, it's going to all have to be done through online stores. So... No units will be available in store for purchase on launch day, November 12th or November 19th. That's overseas. Um, So please don't plan on camping out or lining up at your local retailer on launch day in hopes of finding a PS5 console for purchase. 
Be safe, stay home, and place your order online. Oh, that's why they're doing it, because they don't want the campers to do that. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so gamers who have pre-ordered for pickup at their local retailer should still be able to do so at their designated appointed uh, time under the retailer's safety protocols. Please confirm the details with your local retailer. So this is the deal. If you're going to get a PlayStation 5 on launch day, you're going to have to try to get a pre-order from any retailer um, website and then have the pickup at store option clicked. It's not looking good because the last time I tried to pre-order PS5, it did not go well. Right. Any of the five previous times I've tried to do this, it's not gone well. So we'll just wait and see in a post-COVID world what happens. And maybe they'll be available in stores. I can just walk right in. They'll be as much available as the PS4s are. Just, hey, pick one right off the shelf. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing that I find um, kind of curious. And I couldn't find the quote anywhere. Um, but I do remember a few weeks ago them saying something about uh, PS5s will be available for Black Friday. So yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of uh, retailers that are releasing Black Friday stuff now, like right. virtually, hey, you can get this online right. kind of thing. So maybe that's what they mean. Yeah, but with a co- but with everything the way they are, with how we buy things and in the current climate, what does that necessarily mean? <laughs> it's like PS5s, they're going to be available on Black Friday. Okay, so does that mean they're going to be in stores or is it going to be just this? Well, I don't think I don't think stores are doing Black Friday in stores. Yeah, and that's they, the thing because it's all already. very unclear. Nobody said anything. I think they well, they did say that like they're not doing that in stores, right? Because that's just mass people in stores. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah, it's not a good it's, it's not a good um uh, situation. No. Yeah, but so there's that bit of uh, bad news for you. Um, unfortunately. Great. Now I have to fight with the bots more uh, yeah. to get a PS5. Man. Yeah. yeah it's going to be next year before I get one of these things. Yeah. It's going to be next year for a lot of people. Yeah. I, I think that's just how it is. But unless you're willing to try to buy a secondhand one off of eBay for double the triple the label price. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You, and that's the stance you should be taking. We should not be empowering no. the scalpers. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Flipping it over to a little bit of good news, though, if you are getting a PS5, uh, recently a lot of uh, embargoes have been being lifted recently because a lot of people are talking about how backwards compatibility works on PS5. So what my main source for this is a YouTube channel called Digital Foundry. You ever heard of them? Mm, I feel like I have. But yeah, you probably heard them floating around and mentioning, but these guys, they specialize in just really deep technical breakdowns of, um, consoles, what they're doing in games, how the games perform on hardware, what's the game doing to hardware, things like that. But they've been testing backwards compatibility on their PS5 that has been sent to them with, with, uh, a lot of, uh, PS4 games that have been, you know, pretty tough to run, but what they found um, they were very pleasantly surprised that pretty much any game they threw at the PS five for one, it worked perfectly fine, but not only that, they all ran like at top level, um, just perfectly. Uh, they, they loaded faster and any games that, that, you know, are capped at 30 or 60, they ran at 30 and 60 rock solid. 
no hiccups, nothing like that. And but they also said, though, very interestingly, that if if a game like, say, Horizon, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn, it has their, you know, performance mode and then it has um, the graphical mode, right, Mm -hmm. to where if you have a pro, you can turn on HDR and do all those things. Well, if you turn on performance mode, you can get 60 frames per second, but it's still at 1080p. It will not up the resolution. If you're going graphics mode, then, you know, it'll give you the 30 frames per second, but it'll be in 4K checkerboarded, whatever that is. So it doesn't necessarily update the graphics at all, but you are going to get like rock solid frame rates faster loading times and all of that on your PS4. Now the difference with that and what they're doing with, uh, games that they have announced like uh, days gone and ghost of Tsushima, when they announced that they're going to have, um, PlayStation five enhancements. That's a completely different thing to where they're literally going into the game, messing with the code and things like that to up the resolution and the frame rates and the graphics and things like that in those games specifically. So even though I think days gone probably has this too, but, um, let's go goes to Tsushima has, you know, the performance mode and the frame rate mode. And so I guess the, when you get the update for those two games, they're going to be genuine 4k and 60 frames per second. Hmm. So now days gone already looks pretty good. I can't imagine oh, yeah. what it's going to look like yeah. at that point. But I'm sure I'll be able to see it because I probably still won't have it finished by that point. So who knows? (laughs) Yeah. And fortunately, uh, fortunately for you, there's going to be PS4 to PS5 save game transfers. Yeah. So if you haven't finished it by then, you can just pick up where you left off. (laughs) That'd be cool. (laughs) It is getting a little bit more fun now because I do have the ability to kill hordes, like entire, entire hordes. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's fun. Okay, so how, how does how does that work? What was it like before and after? Uh, well, before you just avoid them. Okay. You, you run like hell, don't even try. Right. And then there's a certain point in the game where you get something that's like, oh, yeah, I'll take you on now. I'll okay. get you. Okay. And then you still have to run like hell, otherwise you're going to get Yeah, you still got to be strategic dice. about it. Yeah, 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 but you have the ability to destroy all of them, hmm. which is fun. I was in a cave last night, too, uh, looking at... Uh, getting something, some kind of sample, and they say, "Get out of there!" There's a horde. I was like, "What am I gonna do now?" <laughs> In a cave and a, with a horde coming at me, and I just went and threw all my bombs and threw all my my stuff that I had, and it, it was a good time. Yep. Well, that's pretty much. Uh, I think that's pretty much most of the news that I wanted to talk to you about. Oh. um, yeah, and uh, there's going to be a PS Plus game available for PS5 right at the beginning uh, upon release, and that is the game Bug Snacks. Did you see any trailer uh, for that? Uh-uh. No, no. Well, it's it's a it looks like a really weird, charming little game. Um, yeah, I I don't know how to describe it personally, uh, but every, just everybody should just go out and check out the trailer for Bug Snacks. Uh, it's made by the people who did Octodad, if that helps, if you know what that is. Nope. I have no idea what that is. Okay. So can't help you. <laughs> is is this an old game, Bugsnacks, or is it No, new? it's a brand new game. Okay. Yeah, they actually announced it during the PlayStation 5 games okay. reveal. 
I remember playing some kind of bug game like on the old IMAX way back, way back when they first came out. Like mm. the, and uh, it, it was some sort of bug game too. I thought it was bug snacks, but maybe it wasn't. I, I don't know. But anyway, regardless, uh, we're going to go right into our main topic and we're going from the new generation and we are going way back, way, way back to the days of handheld gaming, something that has kind of dedicated handheld console gaming has kind of, would you say it has died by now? Uh, well, if you say dedicated, then it's, it's taken a step back, but if you consider the switch, maybe a handheld console. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's kind of murky waters right there, right? Yeah. Is it really a handheld console or is it a TV? You don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. But regardless, I want to go way, way back and take not so much of a retrospective, but just to talk about our memories about handheld gaming and just, you know, for me, started back in 1989 with the Game Boy. I was seven years old and playing my Nintendo and everything like that. And then Nintendo brings out the Game Boy and it just changed everything for me and my brother, because all of a sudden I could take video games anywhere with me. And it was just something so profound and amazing at the time, because what we had for what we had for uh little games were these tiny little uh, cheap little LCD weird things that were like they're either tv movie licensed and you know they were just little stick figures that you move left and right and avoid a rock or collect a coconut or <laughs> things like that just really simple like you wouldn't they're, they're just little simple games um if anybody knows what the nintendo game and watch uh is then it, it, they were along those lines but that's how how you know, handheld gaming started for me, but where did it start for you? So I actually did have a Game Boy as well. Okay. When did you get it? Uh, 94, 95, yeah. something like that. And, uh, I had it for about a day cause I didn't like it so much. Uh huh. No. Okay. So I remember I was in my room and I was playing Tetris on it and I thought this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't seem like a Tetris kid. <laughs> Some people really like Tetris and that's cool. That's cool if you do, but I was like, what is this? Yep. <laughs> so at around the same time, uh, Sega had a console too. Yeah. It was the Game Gear. Yes, the Game Gear. Yes. Yeah. And full that, color screen. Full color backlit. screen. Backlit. Yeah. It was. You could it play it nice. in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it did have a honking battery pack on it, though. It took like six double A's. Oh, my gosh. And it's yeah. just like, now with so many. What did it? It only lasted like what? Two two hours, not very long. <laughs> no, I went through hours. a lot of batteries playing that. Yeah, game. playing playing it, but uh, yeah, it had all those things. It was backlit. You could play in the dark. You lay in bed and still play it. Okay, it, it was great. So, what did you play on your Game Gear? Sonic, Sonic. Sonic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had any other games? Um, mostly, it was just Sonic, like the different versions of Sonic. I had Sonic One, Sonic Two, Sonic and uh, Sonic and Tails, and okay, it was it was fun. It was just good old fun until I took it to school and uh, said, hey, look what I got. Oh, cool. And someone dropped off a stage. Oh. And right there in the – we had a gym with a stage in it like most like elementary type schools yeah. do. And it just – 
I was like, no. (sighs) Yeah, those things were heavy. Yeah, they were very Those heavy. were things were astoundingly yeah, yeah. heavy. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I played. That's what I had. And then after that, I, ne- I didn't get another one of those. Right. But I, I the Game Boy uh, Advance was, my, I think, my next handheld. Okay, so you uh, progressed to the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Okay. So you start out with Tetris. You don't strike me as a Tetris person. Wasn't. At all, especially at a young age. No. Me, Tetris was my game Yeah, on Game Boy. I still own my Tetris cartridge. And still, that's my favorite version of Tetris ever, was yeah. the Game Boy version of Tetris. But um, other games that I had, uh, I had a Teeny Mutant Ninja Turtle game on there. That was very fun. Uh, also had a version of Mortal Kombat. Oh, really? <laughs> there was a version of Mortal Kombat on there. Uh, me and my brother played that one. I think there was only like five characters on it. Uh, of course, there was no blood. Um, of course, it's not color. So it's like you saw things flying off their bodies, but, you know, you don't think it's blood because it's not red. I mean, yeah. it's just this putrid kind of green yeah, kind of thing. But, um, yeah, but soon after the Game Boy, they gave rise to the Game Boy Color. Yeah. And the Game Boy Color, you know, it just added in just a few more tones <laughs> that you could actually add to your games and that gave us uh legend of zelda links awakening that was really great um uh, we had uh yeah another game i played a lot on the game boy was a uh, it, it was a cartridge with galaga and galaxian on it those mm-hmm. two old arcade games right i played those to death a lot i really love those games um also they had a sequel to metroid uh the first metroid was on the nes and for some reason uh, they decided, oh, we'll put the next Metroid, the official sequel to that game, on the Game Boy. Now, when when I talk about Metroid, when we talk about Metroid here in North America, we're thinking, oh, yeah, Metroid, that's a great franchise. We all love Metroid. Apparently, they don't love Metroid in Japan. <laughs> so that's why they don't do a lot with Metroid um, at all anymore, just because mm-hmm. it's not a... Well, it's not a very uh, popular franchise except for here in North America. And Nintendo being Japanese first for a lot of their franchises, they always think, I mean, it's not like they don't do anything for their North American audience. But, you know, when it comes to certain franchises like Metroid, they don't see a lot of, um, I, I guess, a lot of potential sales, worldwide sales there. So, but, you know, next year, I think, is uh, the 35th anniversary for Metroid. So hope, hopefully they'll do something for that. I don't know. I mean, they've already announced Metroid Prime 4. So maybe we'll get a tease for that. Maybe that's coming sooner than we think for the Switch. But anyway, I'm getting off that tangent. But with the Game Boy games, uh, we also started the whole Pokemon craze. Oh, yeah. I So I've never played Pokemon myself on it. But like, yeah. The kids I went to school you with. You knew were, everybody oh, was playing Pokemon. All about it. And they all had the Game Boy Colors playing right. it too right. and then they had the game boy pocket colors that are like mm-hmm. smaller and they were just going to school and just yep. like pokemon it's like yep i don't know <laughs> I, I, I it didn't i didn't really get into it like they did yeah and it, every time they bring out a pokemon they always bring out like two two games yeah like there's red, always yellow. a companion game yeah yeah so yeah they were all about that They're like yeah i just played red now i'm gonna play yellow yeah you want to trade yeah here we go yeah 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 another game i played a lot was um Star Wars, uh, The Empire Strikes Back. It was a Game Boy version of the Empire Strikes Back movie. 
and it was hard as nails. Really? Oh, it was so hard. <laughs> not, not, I don't think because of the fact that it was just a hard game. I think it was because it was so poorly made mm. <laughs> was the issue. Worse than E.T.? Um, no, no, no. Because you could finish this game. Oh. E.T. had no ending. Uh. <laughs> so that's the thing about E.T. It wasn't a completed game. And it definitely was not um, thought all the way through. Um, the guy who made that game... He has a very interesting story. I can't remember his name. Should have thought about this, but um, he's on that Level Up documentary. Yes, he on is. Netflix. Yeah, if you want, if you watch the Level Up documentary on Netflix, you'll get the whole story on the ET game. And I, I'd say if you I, that is very well worth the watch. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to get that full story, you almost feel sorry for the guy. He's almost, yeah. almost, almost. Like, he got himself in that what situation. What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, after the Game Boy uh, Color uh, came and Game Boy Color, they actually came up with what what you said, the Game Boy Pocket, which was, you know, uh, just a smaller, thinner version yep. of the Game Boy. And it actually had a back. One of them had a backlit screen on it. And it was like, uh-huh. finally. But um did you ever uh, use a Game Genie at all? Or do you, do you even know what I'm talking Is about? Is that like the cheat code thing? Yeah, it's an attachment that you uh, hacked the game. So I didn't have a Game Genie, but I had a, it was called a Game Shark. Yes. And that was on PlayStation 2. Yeah, Game Shark was kind of the successor of Game Genie. Totally different company. Yeah. But during the uh, Super Nintendo, the NES era, um, Sega Genesis and the Master System, there's this thing called the Game Genie. It was an attachment that you stuck in your um, system and then you stick the cartridge on top of it or connected with the cartridge. And basically it was uh, another program that attached to the cartridge and you could, all those codes you put in from the code book would hack the game and allow you to do like infinite lives, invincibility, go to this level, go to that level. They had one for the Game Boy. And I should have gotten it out of the closet because we still have one. And it, it, the original Game Boy, you know, it was really big. It yeah. Was thick, heavy. Ricky. Well, this thing just sat right on top of it. So it probably added about three to four inches on top of your, <laughs> on top of That's your Game a very Boy. very heavy Yes. Device. And then your cartridge would go right on top of that. And for a lot of those Game Boy games, I couldn't get to certain places in those games if I didn't have a Game Genie. <laughs> Just because some of these games are just so hard or I just didn't care. I just wanted to play the game my way. And so, yeah, the Game Genie was a big was a big uh, accessory that me and my brother used a lot. <laughs> yeah. But um, and, you know, it, it's funny because when you think about the Game Boy, anybody who actually spent a lot of time with Game Boy, even the Game Gear is uh, all the attachments that they would sell. Yeah with it like uh, since the game boy didn't really have a backlight so you couldn't play it in the dark that would like sell these things that would attach to the game boy and it would like have a magnifying glass on it and maybe like two little led flashlight bulbs right going into it so you can play at night and make the screen slightly bigger through the magnification that that same logic continued to the game boy advance yeah it's still there yeah because the game boy advance also didn't have a backlight at the beginning which is nuts to think about yeah you know I remember a long car trip. We went. We went to a Walmart, and I, I think we went in there to get something else. But I wandered back to where they had all the video games and stuff, and mm-hmm. there was this giant light attachment that fit a Game Boy Advance. And I went, "Oh, oh my goodness!" Yeah, it was, it was like the best light I'd ever seen. Yeah. Like it was, 
is almost like a, you know those car lights that people put like over their cars, like a mechanic will put in there yeah, to see. Yeah. It was like a small version of that. That kind of light is a very bright white light. Yeah, just a single, just a bright light. Because mm-hmm. all the other uh, ones that I'd seen are two little dull bulbs that right. shine down, mm-hmm. and they didn't really cover the whole screen. Right, they just gave you enough to where you could kind of see what was going on. But right. this thing like shone, shine like bright, mm-hmm. like. It was just like I had a flashlight on right. my system, and I, I, it was so cool. Yeah, I remember laying in the car, in the van on the way somewhere, just playing this game. It was Street Fighter. I was playing just illuminated, and I was like, "This is so neat." Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the thing about the Game Boy Advance that that was very fascinating uh, to me was just the simple fact that it had that link cable port. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they would uh, attach a lot of different attachments to that. Yep, and there was a thing called the worm light, and you would stick it right there, and it was very similar to what you you're, you described, but it was just like this bendable little yeah. wire with a little light at the end, and you would just bend it and just position it wherever you needed it over the game over the over the screen. And so I think yeah, I, I think we had one of those. I think yeah. that's what we used initially, but. Yeah, the thing about the Game Boy Advance that that was really cool, in my opinion, was the fact that it was backwards compatible with Game Boy games. And this is where we really get to see Nintendo really thinking kind of uh, consumer-friendly in that way because there were just so many Game Boy games out there, and they knew that people had this library of games, and they allowed everybody to bring that forward with them on their Game Boy Advance which was awesome. <laughs> so any of the games that I had on my Game Boy Advance, I could actually just play it and just play that. Or I can play old game Game Boy games. I mean, it was really cool. But um, yeah, the Game Boy Advance came out in 2001. Mm-hmm. It feels older than that, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Like when I think Game Boy Advance, I almost think like 1998. Yeah, I think 90s, but I mean, yeah, 2001. But I'm like 2001. Oh man, that was the year I graduated. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just thinking about that, it was nuts. But yeah, the, some notable games on the Game Boy Advance um, that I played uh, a lot of. I played a lot of uh, Mario Golf on that. No, oh. um, there was also a series of Castlevania games. Uh, that I played uh, that were very much in, in the same uh, type of game that Castlevania Symphony, Symphony of the Night was and uh, on PlayStation. And so I guess that, that's where the, the word Metroidvania came about because Metroid and Castlevania kind of started to share that uh, 2D world map sort of design. And uh, so those games uh, were all in that kind of bit. So I'd play a lot of those. And then there was um, a stra- turn-based strategy game called Advance Wars that we that me and my brother would play a lot. Now, Advance Wars was cool because you can use the link cable to link to another Game Boy Advance to actually uh, versus. Mm-hmm. So you can play, uh, play uh, <clears throat> against each other, strategy games. Yeah, uh, Mario was like that. Uh, the the two player Mario where you like try to step on the other person's head and do the hit the pounds and everything. Oh, yeah, it was like that. You had to use that link cable. Yeah, to yeah, I told you. Yeah, now that you're talking about, it, yeah, and uh, there was a wireless version of that link cable as well. Was there? Yeah, I remember later in life whenever the uh, 
3DS came around, which is probably way down the timeline of where you're getting to, but mm-hmm. they you could do the same kind of link thing, sit next to each other right. without the actual cable, just as long as the device was near it, mm-hmm. it would pick it up and you could kind of link and do that same thing. Yeah. So that idea carried forward, just mm-hmm. how can we do it better? Yeah. So what games were you playing on your Game Boy Advance? What ones did you pop into your mind? Uh, Street Fighter 2 was the okay. main one that I played on it. It was yeah. so much fun. Yeah. I love Street Fighter 2. Um, and then I had a Crash Bandicoot game that I played on there. Really? Oh. Yeah. And I didn't know there was a Crash Bandicoot There was. I'm pretty sure, unless I'm mixing, mixing my consoles, but I'm pretty sure there was a Crash Bandicoot. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't remember. I'm pretty sure there was a Crash Bandicoot <laughs> game on there. And then there's a Star Wars games that mm-hmm. I played. There yeah. was a studio that made Star Wars games. Um, I can't th- remember what they who they are anymore. LQ or something like that. I think, I, yeah, I know the, I know I can see it in my head right now. I but just it's, can't remember it's like the what they did, which is make Star Wars games. Yeah. So I remember playing Star Wars games yeah. on it. Yeah. During that time, I think they were still making what prequel games? games um, based on the prequel? Yeah. Based on the prequel of yeah. the, the movies. Yeah. It was uh, episode two or something. Mm. And uh, yeah, I remember yeah. playing out in the Game Boy Advance. It was pretty fun. Yep. And of course, Pokemon games galore. <laughs> yeah, but I never played Pokemon though. Yeah. I like that goes back to what I was saying before. All my friends play Pokemon and they mm-hmm. would all like geek out about it and even yeah. down to having the Pokemon cards and everything. Right. I did play Pokemon Snap on the, the 64. I thought that was pretty fun. Mm, but yeah. as far as like a mobile version of Pokemon, right. never really got into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I only mentioned Pokemon because you can't talk about Game Boy no, any generation without. without just mentioning Pokemon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, my, I myself was never into the Pokemon series, but I like the anime. But, um, but yeah, my brother, like my brother was huge into Pokemon. I mean, that game just, that game just, uh, fed into his hoarder mentality. <laughs> 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 Gotta catch them all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Excuse me. But yeah, uh the one games, I don't know if you played these games, but do you ever play any of the Wario WarioWare games? WarioWare. No. So, uh, do you know do you know what those are? Uh-uh. Well, basically, they took the Wario character and they created um these series of really like almost like half second to one second mini games and they would throw them at you in a series of um you know, just basically just one after the other and many of them all just it was just one button to complete and so it, it kind of challenges challenge your recognition real fast so they because they, as you went along they would speed up speed up <laughs> speed up so it's like there'd be different games and it's like you just have to press the a button or left or right on the d-pad uh just whatever so it kind of tested your mental capacity for fast reaction and they branched that out into something called WarioWare Twisted, which it was a big cartridge, but it had a little uh, uh, gyro in the cartridge that allowed you to tilt the um, uh, uh, the Game Boy Advance just in any direction to complete minigames. That's neat. Yeah, and I still have the cartridge, and it still works. I just don't have a Game Boy Advance anymore. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those games that... You know what? If they ported this to the eShop, this would work on the Switch perfectly because of just how good the accelerometers and everything like that are in the Switch. But yeah, they continued that series on into the Wii and um and, and the Wii U. 
but they haven't made another one since. I didn't know there was a gyroscope thing in anything before, like the iPhone. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know it was handheld before, like that. Oh, yeah. It was. It was much. It, it was. It was very much um, very primitive in in, in the implication in how they um, uh, put them in there. But uh, but yeah, I'll show you the cartridge when, when we're when we get out of here. But um, yeah, those games were really big. Um, some oddities about the Game Boy Advance that I remember, it had an e-card reader because um, I think it was like games like Yu-Gi-Oh! There were some card packs that if you slid them through the e-reader, it would uh, work with the Yu-Gi-Oh! games. Uh, I don't know if you know, if you, do you know what Yu-Gi-Oh! is. <laughs> uh, I've heard of Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, is it kind of like a Pokemon kind of thing? Yeah, it came out about the time of Pokemon, but it was more like a mixture of uh, Magic the Gathering. And how you have cards, yeah. And you would play with Still those cards, card kind of like um uh, the Pokemon card game. Yeah. So it came came about after that because you know the Pokemon card game came first, and then the games, and then the television show, yeah. and all that hoopla. But hoopla. Um, the e card reader was there so that you could actually scan certain Yu Gi Oh cards into uh, the game and use those. Um, there was also a camera. Like you can actually put on your Game Boy Advance. Did you ever see that? No. No. Yeah. You would take these awful low-res pictures, and you can actually take them places to get them printed out. Oh, wait a minute. Is that when they introduced that, that whole that's tagline, a smile, your own Game Boy camera? Yes. Kind of thing. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. You run Game Boy camera. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That happened back on Game Boy, and they brought it over to uh, the Advance. But uh, I think one of the biggest... Uh, uh, accessory that uh, was really cool was the it was a GameCube link cable to where you can actually with certain games you could actually use the Game Boy Advance with your GameCube so the GameCube it, it was just a cable one went into your um, uh, Game Boy Advance and it terminated into a GameCube controller and, and you would just plug that in and the one game that everybody remembers about that is uh, a game called Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. And I can't really remember how uh, they used the Game Boy Advance in the um, in the game because it was so long ago and we didn't really use it all that much. Everybody remembers, but I can't remember. Yeah, well, everybody remembers, but don't, they don't, it's hard to remember how it works. <laughs> and then the other one was Zelda Four Swords. That was on uh, GameCube. Uh, you, you would go back and forth from looking at the GameCube and looking down at your Game Boy Advance sometimes. Uh, and that's how that worked. But yeah, not many games used uh, the GameCube link cable. But it was a really cool idea. Well, that wasn't really new either, though. Because uh, in the uh, Game Gear... Sega Game Gear did the same kind of thing. It mm -hmm. didn't plug into a console. It pretty much it was the console. It plugged into your TV, right? So you could play on your TV like the Switch. It was mm -hmm. the same. It was yeah, like it early had Switch. A, it had a, um, a video RCA. It, yeah, it was like an early Switch is what it was. You could play it handheld, would consume all the batteries, or you could plug it into your TV and mm -hmm. play on TV as well. Yeah, but you're still playing with this giant hunk of thing in your hand, right? So it it was the same. Same kind concept. Of same concept. You had a cord that attached to your console, which attached to somewhere else, and you could play your game casted right. essentially somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. But um Yeah, I forgot all about that that feature on the game gear. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, I didn't know that that was a thing until I went to a neighbor of mine's house and yeah. he was like, Why are you why don't you plug in? I was like, I didn't know you could do that. He's yeah. like, Here you go. Plug this. I was like, Oh, 
This is so cool. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Things are a lot cooler when you're a little kid. Like, this blows my mind. Well, it is. I mean, it's like you, any time you run into something for the first time, yeah, it's mind-blowing, right? Yeah, like I thought it, this is just a little handheld thing. I'm just going to play it and attach it to the TV. Oh, I didn't know you do that. That's – yeah. My, can I just sit here all day? I, no, Ma, I don't need supper. I'm good. I'm just going to sit here and play. <laughs> yeah, you just have to have the uh, AC adapter uh, to make sure that – you uh don't run out of battery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh one other thing though. Um did you did you ever uh do you remember Game Boy Video? Oh, that sounds familiar. I don't think I ever had that. Yeah, the Game Boy Video, um they were basically Game Boy Advance cartridges with like cartoon episodes on them or movies. Oh, okay. You remember <laughs> ring no. the bell now? Yeah, they um uh, they made a handful of these uh, with like they would come with like an hour's worth of worth of video. So it'd be like two Pokemon episodes, two Dragon Ball Z episodes, or something like that. Uh, SpongeBob, they had SpongeBob ones. Uh, they also had um uh some movies on there as well. They they had a partnership with DreamWorks, so they had Shrek one and two cartridges, oh. and they also had Shark Tales. I don't know if you remember Shark Tales. Shark Tales. Oh, was that a Nickelodeon thing? No, it was a DreamWorks uh, movie with uh, Will Smith. Okay, as uh, as the uh, main protagonist, I believe. Uh, I think Jack Black was in it as well. I don't know. It, it wasn't that great of a movie, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, I mean, it's like I remember seeing those on store shelves. I'm like, who would want to watch movies on their Game Boy Advance? You know, it's not a very high res screen. And I wish if I could find one, I would love to just put it on a Game Boy Advance and just to see what what it looks like. Well, that's more of a cool thing to do. Yeah. Like if you were traveling on a road trip as a kid, you're going to Florida or down somewhere to vacation right. or wherever you go. It would be neat if you go watch a movie on right. your Game Boy Advance if you didn't have any other way to do it. Right. So there, there's there's use cases for it. Oh, yeah. But – yeah, it's not ideal. It's just kind of funny, though, thinking way back then that Nintendo was thinking in that kind of mindset. Yeah, because that carried that carried on, and uh, Sony borrowed it later for their um, yeah the UMDs on the, the PSP, the PSP thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and really, I mean, it was very foretelling of things to come. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with you know your iPhones, your your tablets. And just your phones in general now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very interesting how how we've been concepting that and those ideas. Yeah. Even back then. Yeah. Uh, it, back on cartridges. It's know? just taking something that kind of already exists in a sense and making it better. Yeah. And another thing that I find kind of interesting now thinking about it is like they went from video on, you know, onboard memory to CDs. And now everything's back to onboard memory. And streaming, <laughs> you know, so we're off of CDs again. But I just think that's kind of funny. Uh, but after that, you know, we come into the Nintendo DS and the PSP era. Mm -hmm. So for the longest time, handheld gaming was just Nintendo. Yep. They just dominated everything. Sure, you had little things that came out. You had the Game Gear that was out there, but they 
once the Game Boy Advance came out, the Game Gear kind of disappeared. I don't think there was like a Game Gear 2 or anything like no, that. No, but there was something called the Nomad, which was a Sega Genesis in the form of a Game Gear. Sega Genesis in the form of a Game Gear. It was. It was literally just a Sega Genesis packed into a Game Gear. Hmm. Slightly bigger, but it but it uh, took actual uh, Genesis cartridges. Hmm. So it just wasn't. It, it was a Genesis. It was a handheld Genesis. That's what it was. Uh, but that didn't last very long either. Um, but yeah, I mean, you had other uh, companies like Neo Geo tried to come uh, come into market with something called the Wonder Swan, which was a really really cool uh, color handheld as well. And uh, they had all the Neo Geo games, and they had these. Uh, uh, Neo Geo had these fighting games called uh, the King of Fighters series or, or Fatal Fury, and instead of just making direct ports, they made original games, but all their um, uh, characters were shrunk down into tiny little midget formed, <laughs> and uh, that's how they did it. And it, they were really fun fighting games, hmm. just two buttons and a and a D pad, but. That was during that era as well. Uh, not many people knew about it because of just how dominant Nintendo was in just the Game Boy, you know, era. But here we enter uh, the DS era where Nintendo all of a sudden says, hey, you know what's better than one screen? How about two? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what was your reaction when you first saw the the... The Nintendo DS. I mean, I thought it looked weird. That yeah. was kind of funny. Yeah, the first design was really It's just really weird. I never had the original DS right. either. I was just like, ah, whatever. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, when I first saw the original DS, I was like thinking, that's a prototype. That's never coming out. Yeah, that looks funny. It looks like a flip phone or something. Yeah. And I was like, but no, that was the actual product. And I was like, what? And I didn't get one, but we got one for my niece and nephew. And after I got my hands on it, I was like, Oh, okay. I get it because the bottom uh, half being a touchscreen mm-hmm. and the top half and just the different games that they did with it. I mean, it was, I was like, who knew that dual screens was, was such a good idea. Yeah. Right. Well, Nintendo did. Yeah, obviously. And, uh, so there were some really good games on the DS, but I didn't really get a DS until the DS light, yeah. uh, series. That's exactly. when they it actually looked like a pro, like a, good product and they actually had the backlight in it at that point too because i don't think the first ds had a backlight in it no it did yeah because it it was full color yeah it had to have a backlight it wasn't very bright though okay yeah it was very weak but uh when they brought out the new ds uh the redesigned ds light uh and they were able to pack in uh much more efficient uh circuitry to bring on uh brighter colors shrunk it down a little bit to be more pocket friendly uh, still same size screen and the touchpad got a little bit more durable. Wasn't as easy to scratch up, but yeah, there were some really great games on the DS uh, and the DS stuck around for quite a long time. Uh, it came out in 04 and it stuck around all the way until a little bit after 2011. So it was around for seven years, something like that. And it stuck around a little bit longer after the 3DS came out. But, but yeah, once again, uh, the, the DS was backwards compatible with Game Boy Advance games, but they dropped the Game Boy, mm-hmm. uh, which was pretty understandable at the time because Game Boy was so antiquated by that time. Um, not many people were 
playing them, but you know, there, there were plenty of people who were like upset about that as well. It's mm-hmm. like, well, why in the world would you, you know, just, if you can have Game Boy Advance games, why not Game Boy games too? You know, which is, you know, it's an understandable idea, but you know, things move on as technology does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you, you didn't really have a DS. No, I, I didn't get into to DS until they went to the 3DS. Oh, okay. Because I did have a 3DS, the original one. They started this model even with the DS where they made it small, they yeah. made it better, and then they made it, it larger. <laughs> yeah. And they keep doing that. Yeah. The X, XL and stuff like that. Right. 3DS XL and DS XL. They, they kept doing that. So I had a 3DS, the original one that was smaller. With the 3D slider and everything, and mm-hmm. then I had the 3DS XL, okay, which was nice. I really did like going from the original one to the bigger one. Like it just felt better in my hand. It was easier to play for me, anyway. So it made Mario Kart look really good. Yeah, yeah. The thing with the 3D thing though is, if you look at it too long, it makes my eyes hurt. Yeah. If I if I play it too long, and there was a very specific sweet spot mm-hmm. that I had to be in, yeah. otherwise it'd just be completely yeah. blurry. Yeah, you really couldn't move. Yeah, you just like, don't 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 bump me. No, 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 no. I'm just gonna stay right here. <laughs> I'm playing my game. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing about the 3ds, early 3ds, is is just the simple fact that um, the 3D was really cool. It, it worked, was neat. and at that time, you know, everything was going 3D with televisions. You had to have these glasses, which depending on which 3D system you're dealing with. They can either be passive where they don't have a shutter on it or they could be, you know, active, which they did have a shutter on it, uh, which made those glasses really expensive. But with the 3DS being no glasses, I mean, that was a kind of a pr- profound thing back then, mm-hmm. even though turns out th- this 3D stuff was all just a gimmick in the first place. But, yeah. you know, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, going back to the DS real quick, like you said the uh the trend with going smaller and then going bigger starting back there i mean it's like you had the the xl series is what they did but one thing that they did have was the dsi and that's when handhelds got wi-fi i forgot about the i yeah yeah so that was a that was a pretty big um big addition right there having the ability to actually log into an internet network and things like that from a from a handheld and so that was really cool back then because you can have online matches, you can do all those other things. Um, and one of the things that I found very surprising was just how they used that touchscreen. And that also continued on to the 3DS, but it's like they had Call of Duties, like their own dedicated Call of Duty games on, on the DS hmm. where you would use the bottom touchscreen as your look. <laughs> so it's like you would uh, almost like a mouse pad, you know, like a touchpad on a mouse. Yeah. So you would just use your stylus to look around, and then you use your uh, one of the trigger buttons as a fire button. Yeah. Very primitive, but yeah. I, uh, Kid Icarus on the yes, 3DS, 3DS yeah. was very much like that too. Mm-hmm. You use the bottom to like move around and right. the button to shoot. Right. So much so they actually sold it with a stand yeah. that you could put the thing on. Yeah. So you yeah. didn't have to hold it because that's really awkward trying to hold it. Yeah. You had that claw position. You had yeah. To get claw. Into. And it's just like, oh, my hand hurts. Yeah. So they, they give you a little stand <laughs> that you set the 3DS yeah. on and you could use a stylus and the button. Yep. 
we're playing out on vacation. Yeah. For a long time. And I, I think for the DS and the 3DS, I mean, it's like they had certain games where you turn the, uh, the system on its side. So it's almost like a book, uh, sort of instead of just a clamshell. And you would play the game sideways, sideways, like uh, one game on the DS called Brain Age uh, did that to where you would flip it on its side and it would be almost like an open book form. Hmm. And you would just use the right side to tap and you'd get instructions on the left. And so you'd be using that. Some of the games, mini games in Brain Age, you would flip over on just normal uh, landscape mode and just you do it like that. But a lot of the games like they would they would do it in that book form and there was a ninja gaiden game on a ds and 3ds that had it in that sideways position which was very strange but also during that time though nintendo had uh some competition from sony and they had the psp which we mentioned recently Mm -hmm. Uh, did you have a psp no I did not have a PSP. I always wanted a PSP because I thought the concept was really cool, like a portable PlayStation in your hand. Right. That sounds really cool. Right. So, but I never got one. Yeah, like we said, like the UMD technology to put movies. Yeah. On there, um, almost like it was supposed to be another DVD format because yeah. that's when DVD was big. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, my niece and nephew had a PSP and they played a lot of games on there, but for some reason, I mean, it's like, I guess it was just how dominant Nintendo was. Um, just didn't really have interest in playing, uh, or owning a PSP. Now there were a few games on the PSP that I thought, you know, well, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd get a PSP for that. And that was one game was a uh, middle gear solid acid, uh, which was a card battling, uh, game. Oddly enough. Hmm. Uh, didn't get it though. Um, didn't really play it because I didn't. I mean, as being a big Metal Gear Solid fan, seeing the card battling system, I'm like, oh, that's not what I want. Yeah. And uh, but uh, two games that I really did like on the PSP was a game called Patapon and another game called Loco Roco. Are you familiar with any of those? I've heard Loco Roco, yeah. not Patapon though. Yeah, Patapon was a rhythm game, uh, kind of like a strategy game almost. Um, basically you would, uh, you would have these tiny little soldiers and you would lead them through different drum rhythms. And so they kind of had their own language. So pat upon was sort of something that I always said. They were like, pat ta pat ta pat ta pon And they would chant that. And then you would like, boom, 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 <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> and you would use the different rhythms to actually command them to attack or to do a certain type of attack, or to retreat. Um, and you would uh, fight these big bosses that they were trying to hunt. Hmm. And um, that's how you would just play that game. They, there were like I think two games in that series. Um, and then there was Loco Roco, which, you know, it's like a, kind of a sort of a platformer. Uh, they made two of those games. And to this day, I'd say Loco Roco is probably one of my favorite favorite all-time video game soundtracks i mean it's just it was just uh it was a made-up language Mm -hmm. that they used and it was like a combination of italian japanese spanish and all these other things that this guy made up and he wrote songs in this language and he would have children's choir singing stuff they would have adults they would have (laughs) it's just the best soundtrack ever Hmm. i mean it was all it was equal parts adorable and fascinating yeah, all at the same time. Not to listen. 
yeah, I'll have to play you some. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, those are the that, that that was my experience with the PSP playing with uh, my niece and nephew's uh, console. Um, I know Brandon and Eric they played on PSP. Uh, they they uh they played a lot more more I think. Jay had a PSP as well. Jay did have a PSP. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what he played on it though. But yeah, he. I remember um, Tiger Woods golf was big on the yes. PSP. Yes, yes, Tiger Woods golf everywhere. Yeah, they also had a Madden and a FIFA, too. Yeah. So the, that FIFA game was very popular all around the world, uh, but FIFA's popular. Period. Period. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's like having FIFA on the go. I mean. Just the concept of handheld gaming, taking your games on the go. Even back then in the day of the Game Boy, the dream was to have your console games in a portable form. Yeah. Right? Yep. So, you know. What what thought the PSP was. But, you know, the Game Boy, you know, was kind of fulfilling that, but a generation behind. You know, it's like we're playing Super Nintendo and... We're playing NES games, but mm-hmm. they're not quite NES games on the Game Boy. And then we're playing 16-bit style games on your Game Boy Advance. But we're playing PlayStation and, you know, and Saturn and stuff like that. Oh, and Saturn. Nintendo 64 uh, during that time. So it's almost seemed like handhelds were always like one step behind, right? And with the PSP, we're thinking, oh, could be this and could this be it? Mm-hmm. You know, could are we are we finally there? But no, not quite. Um, and then, you know, with the 3DS era, uh, still not quite there, but by that time, Nintendo, you pretty much understand that Nintendo's not really trying to give you that console, um, experience on their handhelds. It's like, nope, our handhelds are our handhelds. We make games specifically for our handhelds, even if they might be in the same series. And that really worked for them, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was the right way to do it. And I think that's where the PSP kind of faltered was in the fact that they were trying to deliver console experiences on a machine that just clearly wasn't <clears throat> powerful enough or even had the right control mm-hmm. uh, scheme yeah. uh, to do so because they only had like a slider analog stick, a D-pad, two shoulder buttons, and the four PlayStation face buttons, which that slider D-pad just was not fun to use mm. <laughs> at all. Uh but they also had something uh, called the Xperia Play. Have you ever heard of this thing? I feel like I read about it, like a Game Informer magazine yeah. at one point. It was a cell phone that slid up to show uh, controls, mm-hmm. uh, a D-pad and uh, face buttons and right. stuff under there. Yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be like a cell phone PSP hybrid thing. Right. Didn't take UMDs. Uh, it was all just downloadable games. Yeah. That didn't go anywhere. No. <laughs> Because during this time of the 3DS and everything else is like, and, and the PSP, cell phones are starting to become prominent. You know, flip phones, slider phones. iPhone was conceptual, but it wasn't out yet. Um, just whispers and rumors of what Steve Jobs and Apple were doing <laughs> with, with phone stuff. But <clears throat> so you had uh, something like Engage. You, you, do you remember the engage? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was supposed to be that was supposed to be uh, the gamer phone, you know, where you play your games on it, and it was supposed to be another platform. Didn't go very well, but you know, it, what I find very funny is that because of the DS and the 3DS, that pretty much informed a lot of developers on how to do touch controls 
for the iPhone. Yeah. You know? I remember I got an iPhone, and I thought, this is the coolest thing ever. This is the coolest thing ever. Because, I mean, it had the gyroscope in it, the accelerometer. I remember sitting in a chair playing a shooter game and spinning in the chair to move. And it would change the guy. There's one game, uh, Gun, that was kind of like that. Right. That I remember playing on, on the phone, just turning and shooting. I thought, this is really cool. Are you sure it was Resogun? That was a PlayStation 4 game. No, you're right. It wasn't Resogun. It was a uh, Shadow Shadow Gun, I think. Shadow Gun? I think that's what it was called, Shadow I don't know. Gun. <laughs> yeah, I, I Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I never I didn't have an early iPhone. I'll look it up real quick. I'm pretty sure I know it's called something gun. I'm pretty sure it was Shadow Gun. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean it's like with with you know the iPhone and the rise of touchscreens and everything like that is like they really do owe a lot to the DS and the 3DS on showing everybody how to do touch controls because can you imagine what it would have been like uh, for developers just trying to figure out uh, touch controls without Nintendo kind of leading the way and and how all that worked you know it it was Shadow Gun Shadow Gun That's, okay it was Shadow Gun. A 2011 third-person shooter developed and published by Madfinger Games for iOS, BlackBerry, Playbook, and Android. Hmm. wonder if it's still available. <laughs> that would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. I remember playing that one. That was really cool. Yeah. Well, well, after that, after the uh, 3DS and the PSP, well, actually, it was during the 3DS uh, era, uh, Sony, once again, tried to enter into the... Uh, the handheld fray with the PlayStation Vita, which you had one of those. I did have a Vita, yeah. Yep. And I, I thought the same thing of it because I missed out on the PSP. Remember, I wanted a PSP. Right. I thought that was going to be the console version of a PlayStation. Right. So I was like, oh, I want one. Well, then the Vita came out. I thought, this is going to be it. This is a console version of the PlayStation. And it wasn't either. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it, it was. It was fun and frustrating at the same time. I didn't like the uh, the back touchpad that got in the way of a lot of games I was trying to play. It's right. just like, stop it. Yeah, and you tell, have big hands. <laughs> I didn't tell you to jump. I didn't tell you to shoot. Just stop. Yeah. <laughs> like It kind of ruined like Assassin's Creed for me. I mm-hmm. just thought they made that one uh, Liberty. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah, Liberty? Assassin's Creed Liberty. And I thought, all right, this is gonna be fun. I was like, this is not this is not fun. I don't enjoy this game at all. Yeah. So I didn't like that. Um, I played uh, Mortal Kombat. Was good though. It was the same experience. Mortal Kombat did. Yeah, there was a very good Mortal Kombat for Vita. Didn't have a uh, what's his name? God of War. Uh, Kratos. Didn't they have Kratos as a guest character on that version? I don't remember if they did or not. But I remember it being the same thing as like playing it on the TV. I thought this looks the exact same thing. This right, is great. And I played um, Shadow of Abyss, uh, the uh, Uncharted. I think it was okay, Sha- yeah. Shadow, Shadow of Abyss, I, Abyss Shadow, something like uh, that. Golden Abyss, Golden Abyss. I think it Golden Abyss. Been. That's what it was. Yeah, okay. And that was pretty fun. But the the best thing I remember about it is at the time I was in a. a Trophy race with a friend of mine. Oh, right. At, at I used to work with. We were trying to outdo each other on the PSN rankings. Like, right. how many trophies can you get? What level can you get? Well, some of the games were cross save with Vita and PlayStation Three at the time. Okay. One of them being Sound Shapes, 
So I'd go to work, I'd play sound shapes, I'd get a few trophies, I'd come home, I'd cross save, I'd get double trophies. I'm like, ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, they're all like silver trophies in that game too, which count more. Mm, okay. And there's another game called PlayStation All Stars that I think it was cross save. I can't remember, but I do remember going out yes. to my car on lunch and yes. playing through it. Just in solo player mode, just yeah. trying to get the trophies. Yeah, PlayStation All Stars. Yeah, it's Sony's version of uh, Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just played through that, just just in the car, just getting the trophies and go home and connect it to the internet. Like, right. Sing, bling, 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 bling. <laughs> <laughs> Take that. <laughs> well, you didn't. You never said you couldn't do it. So <laughs> it was fun. No, it was fun. He's like cheater. I was like, nope. Just outthinking you. That's all. <laughs> They make it available. I am not cheating the system at all. They're saying, yeah, you go get a Vita yourself if you want. <laughs> you, you could, yeah, you could go get a Vita if you wanted to. They're freely, they're not freely available, but I mean, they're available to purchase. Right. Go on. So, but. yeah, I remember the Vita um, when they unveiled it. I mean, it was a good looking machine too. Yeah, that's the thing. It was very, it was very good. It looked looking. very sleek. Yeah, I mean, it looked like it would be very comfortable to hold and they had actual analog sticks on them instead of sliders. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that touchpad uh, on the back always did seem like, mm, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't feel like they really optimized a lot of games for it either. Right. I feel like it was kind of underutilized. It could have been so much better than what it turned out to be. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, a, it was a disappointment in the end, but yeah, it had its it had its few bright spots. Right. But overall, yeah. it just wasn't great. Yeah, I remember they had a a resistance game that they put yeah. on there. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a spinoff, and then they did their own version of Killzone. I don't know if you played that, um, but yeah, they tried to put some shooters on there, and they just didn't work very well. No, and really, when you look back at Sony's attempts at entering the handheld market. You look at the PSP, it was a fairly decent success. They sold quite a bit of them uh, to be competitive. Uh, they offered a different experience from what Nintendo was offering. Um, and they had, um, yeah, I mean, they had a many games that uh, Sony didn't have, uh, not uh, that Nintendo didn't have, just on the fact that it was slightly more powerful. Uh, actually, it was way more powerful than a DS. Um, and really it's, it's just the fact that they never really dedicated, um, games to hit the strengths Mm -hmm. of that, of that console. And the ones that did, they were awesome. You know, I mean, uh, monster hunter was huge on the PSP, um, over in Japan. And when the, when the ones they brought over here, the people who love Monster Hunter, they've got a lot of good time playing Monster Hunter on PSP. And then all the, some, somewhere along the line, uh, Monster Hunter migrated over to, to the Nintendo side of things. And it is what it is, what we know now. But even the Monster Hunter experiences were very different. So, I mean, my, my, bro- my brother was here. He could tell you what those two different experiences were. But, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's just Sony's history with a handheld market in general. They didn't really support it very well on the Vita, where they started out really strong because Golden Abyss was really good. It applied all the things that the Vita was meant to do very well and did it there. But 
developers didn't really want to make dedicated games for the system mm-hmm. like they did with the 3DS or the DS, you know? And I'm kind of wondering if it was sort of like um, an identity crisis that really kept uh, the Vita and the PSP from being, you know, better supported by Sony and also um, just other developers. Because when it is kind of positioned as this is a console handheld, what I found was a lot of developers just wanted to port just already made games to the console, just pare it down, and it never worked well. Mm-hmm. You know? So, But when you looked at, when developers looked at the 3DS, they're like, okay, I got to do this on that. And they would make games that would only work on the 3DS because of the dual screen factor of it all, you know? So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting just how could have Sony made a difference there? And it's very clear that they're not interested in coming back into the handheld gaming space. Um, But I also remember hearing a lot of rumors back in the day that, that Xbox wanted to try their hand at handheld gaming, but that never ended up becoming anything at all. Maybe not yet. Maybe they'll get back into it. And that's something very interesting there. Um, Now that we're kind of reaching the end of the handheld factor part, we went from Game Boy all the way to the 3DS and the Vita, which really that's where the line kind of stops as far as dedicated handheld uh, consoles, gaming consoles, uh, from the big major platform holders. But Well, would you consider the Switch Lite? Well, that's where I'm getting. Okay. That's where I'm getting right there, is that we are now transitioning from dedicated con- uh, handhelds to actually achieving that dream of handheld consoles, you know? So we have Nintendo with Nintendo switch and like what you said, the switch Lite, which is a dedicated handheld. I mean, that's what it is. It can't be docked. It can only be on the go. You can only play certain games on it unless you lug some joy cons with you, uh, to pair with it. But even at that, you know, it's, it's still, just a just a handheld switch, mm-hmm. you know that's on the go, and now that we're there, I mean, are, with the hardware being where it is, do you think others would probably want to try to get in on that? I don't know. I mean, Sony's tried and failed twice. Yeah. So do you try again? Is the third time really the charm? Yeah. But I'm like thinking it's like, would Xbox actually think about doing it now that they're really getting into their X Cloud uh, things and and uh, different initiatives like that? Because there have been actual, uh, I can't remember what the direct quote is, so this is not a this is not an accurate thing. But Phil Spencer uh, said that they are looking at different technology into different technologies of where they could put uh, their services on. And they're actually thinking about, you know, something maybe as small as like an Amazon Fire Stick. Oh. That would run xCloud. Cool. You know, their streaming service on it. They would just plug into a television. And it's like, he didn't say that that's what they're doing directly, but they said, basically, imagine something, maybe we could do something like that. (laughs) You know, it's like they're maybe thinking about along those lines. And I'm thinking, huh. With xCloud kind of already being kind of portable, you know, being on your cell phones and your tablets, could they actually think about, you know, making dedicated xCloud 
um, hardware that would be just on the go that you could actually plug into your TV like a switch. Why not? I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if like a Nintendo patent would get in the way of that <laughs> or something like they obviously couldn't use the docking system. Right. Because, you know, that's obviously but, you know, just a simple cable or just pairing or something like that would work as well. So I guess that's where I'm going into. Where do you see the future of handheld gaming going at this point? I don't know. I don't know. No idea, really. You seem to have a better grasp on the future of the handheld gaming than I do. Well, I don't know. This is just from recent research I've been doing of where handheld gaming is now. And most of it is mobile phones, right? Right. Tablets. Mm -hmm. Different uh, devices like that. And then you have the Switch, which is the number one uh, on-the-go dedicated gaming device. Uh, but, you know, it's like looking at how Microsoft is positioning uh, their streaming service is very fascinating to me mm-hmm. of where they can go with it. Personally, I don't know that they would ever actually make a dedicated gaming, you know, console like a Switch. I, I imagine they'll probably just stick with putting things on cell phones and and other products like that already exist because it's cheaper for them. Because they don't have to go through all that research and development. But if somebody actually started getting a vision for something like that um, over at Microsoft, possibly it could happen. Like maybe it's a dedicated uh, Microsoft, a certain Microsoft tablet, you know, in their Surface line that they could start selling. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it could be like that. But um, also, you know, the reason why I'm talking about, you know, xCloud being on a streaming service um, and Nintendo's uh, recent, uh, what they call their uh, mini directs that, that they do online, uh, they announced that Control, um, I think it was a, not Game of the Year edition, but anyway, Ultimate Edition, that's what they call it. Uh, they said that Control Ultimate Edition is going to be getting uh, not a port, but it's coming to the Switch. Now, I don't know if you know anything about Control, but that game is extremely graphics and processor heavy. You just can't put that on Switch without a lot of work. Well, it turns out it's what they're calling a a cloud version of the game. It's Mm -hmm. streaming to the Switch. Mm. So, and the same time, that same, uh, in that same video, they announced that Hitman 3, which is coming out next year, is also going to be streaming to the Switch. And now there are rumors that the most recent Resident Evil 3 remake is being um, brought to Switch via streaming. So this is very fascinating to me because I'm like thinking, okay, there's no Switch Pro that they've acknowledged or anything like that that's going to be coming. Who knows? Maybe it'll be coming next year. Maybe come. But even at that, what kind of Pro is it? Mm-hmm. You know, is it a PS4 uh, version? Because right now the Switch is sort of like, uh, just short of being a PS4 or an Xbox One. You know, it's kind of like in between the last generation and uh, the, the generation that's just ending now. So what is that? Is it still kind of underpowered compared to PS5 and Xbox or do they go all out and make a handheld that's just as powerful? Which I doubt they do. I doubt mm. they do because 
Can you imagine something like a PS5 in a Switch form? <laughs> you know how much that would cost? Man. <laughs> and you see how big that thing is. Yeah. I mean, that thing's huge just to keep it cool. So, obviously, they're not going to be doing that. But could Nintendo be getting by on doing their own streaming service? Sure. I mean, how ironic would that be? A company that has a hard time with their own online network infrastructure for their own online games and friend sharing and all that stuff, that they would be the leaders in game streaming. <laughs> you know how ironic that would be? <laughs> but it would be such a Nintendo thing to do. Yeah, it would. And it would it would set the tone for the rest of the industry, too, to do that. So, yeah, I mean, cloud computing is huge. Oh, yeah. And so I, that's a good point. They could take advantage of that and just, like, a third party could almost make a really cool... Right piece of hardware yeah. that's handheld like that's all they do that takes advantage of the the services right. that are offered yeah, by just a licensed uh, product yeah. yeah like it can be completely a neutral product but be really good at what it does right while everyone else focuses on what they do exactly yeah i mean it's like it's just fascinating thought to me is that huh i would never would have thought of nintendo looking at game streaming as an option uh for getting all those third-party big games on their console, you know? I mean, it, it's it's like almost too forward-thinking for them, mm-hmm. you know, to use um, internet that way, you know, because they can't seem to even get their own, you know, friend uh, friend sharing thing going on, the, on, on their own networks mm-hmm. because they seem so far behind on, um, you know, just networking games together. Uh, but but yeah, I mean it's like they experimented with it way back with uh in Japan they uh, did an experiment with uh, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey of all games streaming uh, in Japan, and they did it with Resident Evil Seven. Hmm. So it's very clear that that went well enough to where it's like okay now now we're gonna stretch our wings and do this uh, on these few games, you know, in North America as well. We're gonna see how this works and. You got to wonder if they might be, you know, talking to Microsoft about maybe, you know, using their servers and different things to actually help piggyback some of those initiatives. Not to say that there's been any hints of that, but you know how buddy buddy they've been in sharing games, you know, and properties and things like that. Hmm. So it's a very interesting thought to me. You know, we'll see if you're right. I mean, time will tell. I mean, I don't know. It's just really fun and funny to think of that and of that being a Nintendo initiative. I mean, Microsoft doing it. Not not a shocker there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 Microsoft. You know, they're always looking into the future uh, of those things and what they're doing right now with X Cloud and Game Pass and all the studios that they're buying. I mean, it's very clear that they are looking at they're, they're looking very very far into the future uh, where they see themselves. So, but where does handheld gaming, uh, lie within all of that? Who knows? Mm -hmm. You know, is Nintendo going to continue making switch like devices or are they going to, you know, go back to traditional console or are they going to shock us all by just becoming a software developer? (laughs) You know, that's what a lot of people said they should just do. Yeah. Just, just be software. Yeah, but at the same time, if there were just software, we wouldn't have the Switch. Right. 
Yeah. You know, I was like, I'm saying, no, let them do what they want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like, why would you want them to do anything else but them? You know, but then there is the Wii U, which <laughs> that wasn't very good. <laughs> no, it was a really good piece of hardware. Just people just, yeah, they just, they, they, it was just way too confusing. They just, Nintendo botched that one on themselves. Yeah. I mean, Sega is now just a software yeah. provider. Aren't they? Se- so. Sega's been a software to, provider for a long time now. Yeah. So. so, I mean, there's no shame in that. Yeah. And then there are rumors like uh, a few months ago that Microsoft was going to buy them too. Oh. Um, though if a company were to swoop in and buy Sega right now, now would be a good time because apparently they are struggling mm. financially. But Sega isn't just video games. They they do a lot of different uh, things. Um arcade wise and and other various different business stuff in um in japan because it's not just sega in japan they're also sega sammy uh which is another company that, that there's still arcades in japan oh yeah yeah <laughs> there are a lot of arcades in japan and sega had two really big ones two of the biggest ones but because of coronavirus nobody's going to the arcades and right all that good stuff so What's ended up happening is I think they've lost over $200 million in revenue so far, which for a company their size, that's a big chunk of change. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> but hopefully they'll, they'll be able to bounce back, but who knows? But yeah, I guess that's all we have to say on handheld gaming, unless you have uh, any other insights or anything else you want to say. I am good. Okay. Well, those have been our thoughts on handheld gaming uh, and our memories and everything else. And really, I mean, I guess my final question to you would be, do you want to see handheld gaming continue to go on forward in the tradition of the Switch? Or would you just rather prefer everything just go to different mobile devices, just free willy-nilly? Uh, I am still maybe a little bit old school, and I do prefer it the, the Switch kind of route. Right. So... I would say that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for me, uh, I would love to see Nintendo to continue doing what they're doing and Mm -hmm. just innovate on that. And really, I just want Nintendo games. Right. You know, it's like if nobody else brings anything to that system and all I get is a machine that's just a Nintendo machine. Yeah. I'd be satisfied with that. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. I would be perfectly satisfied. They make a good game. Yep. So with that said, my name is James. This has been Tyler. And this is the LO Gaming Podcast, and we hope you join us next time for the next episode, which I hope will be on schedule next time. But if not, we'll see you then whenever we see you. Bye. Bye now. Bye now.